All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us for another installment of Grace, the Power of the Gospel. All right, now we are on lesson 10 tonight. Now the subtitle is Desiring Purity. Desiring Purity. Now, when I looked at that title, I said, hmm, sounds interesting. Desiring purity, right? Now, in a religious context and behaviorally, when I when I, I looked at that phrase, I said, are we really desiring purity? But then I thought, well, we desire purity in other areas, right? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. you think about food, drink, right? <laughs> you you want you don't want something that's tainted or something that's that's off. You want something that's pure, right? So, in the context of our spiritual lives, let me ask you this: When you hear that word purity, what comes to mind? In all honesty, the the rigidity of the Puritans, you know, history, <laughs> which was okay. not a positive okay. necessarily. I mean, it was there was there was positiveness, but it was harsh too. Same with me. I think about about three years ago in my life, if you had said the word purity to me, I'd have been like, get the religion away. I don't want anything to do with it. You know, <laughs> raised in being a Christian and that kind of stuff, but. Now, you know, thinking of it, you know, like Julius was just saying, like, think about like the bottle or like when you said pure, it's like pure life, you know, water, you know, it's like, you know, God, purely God, who he truly is, or purely what he really says in his word and straight God, you know, like, not like what we think God is, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think the truth, just truth, not tainted, not like I say, not just a true True. true word, true, true relationship. It's all. Okay. All right. Let's go to First John chapter three. First John chapter three, and we'll be looking at verses one through three. First John three verses one through three. And um, we'll be looking at that in the, I'll look at it in New Living Translation. Right. And it reads like this. See how, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and this is what we are. But the people who belong to the, this world don't recognize that we are God's children. Because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. Now, when we're looking at this, 
what are two what are some things that jump out at you because I know what I see in the very first verse where he says see how very much our father loves us and we talk about a lot how vital the revelation of God's love is how is the catalyst the very foundation of our faith right second point in this this first verse for he calls us his children to be called a child of the creator of all things you know we can read that and just kind of gloss over it but if we really understand how awesome that is then that it it sets the stage for us to walk in the fullness of what he has for us because the, the scripture says that the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want right and understanding that the Lord himself accepts you as his very own when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior then are you in a position at that point where you have emotional deficits or lacks? Well, think about it. What could be better than having the creator of all things in love with you? I know for some people that's hard to believe. That's something hard to swallow for some because of what they've been through, you know, in their lifetime, mm -hmm. you know. And the reason for that is it's putting God on the same level as people when that's not the case. He can behold our, you know, and love us regardless. And he does mm -hmm. love us regardless. That's, and can you put it with his son? Yeah. I mean, that's what I find always coming back to the cross. Mm-hmm really solidifies how deep that love is. Yeah. That's strong. It is hard, yeah, especially when we've been taught God caused this or caused that. That's right. And, you know, or in religion, well, God may take this away from you. <laughs> he may see better in your life. You may, it's like, you know, it's like, God loves me. You know, like, yeah. yeah. Looking at Romans 5, you don't have to go there, but, um, Katrina, when she said, you know, it's hard for people to grasp that, you know, it. but think about, just think about how awesome it is. Looking at Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. So undeserved, we talk about grace, though none of us deserve it. Skipping down to verse six says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. So since he died for us and he gave us his righteousness, we are no longer those sinners, right? That's right, correct. Right. 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 
But again, he did this for us before we did anything to earn it. That's right. Right. Looking at verses seven and eight says, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Mm -hmm. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, we will certainly, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. So we're not only called children, but friends. So you see the, the different the dimensions of relationship here, right? Because it, it, it takes all of these different aspects of relationship to, to try and define the amount of love that God has for us. Because it's three, 360 degrees. He is our king. He is our creator. He's our father. He's our kinsman redeemer. He's our friend. All these things. And you look at all of those different relationships, there's different aspects of intimacy in each of those. And God fulfills all those needs. But again, if, if, if we don't have that picture, if we don't see him like that, then if we, we're missing out on the, the, the type of fulfillment and contentment that he has for us in, in relationship with him. Now, let me ask you this. We're talking about purity. Why is it so beneficial or why is it so fruitful to have that level of relationship with God and in relationship with other people? How does that benefit our relationship with people? Having having intimacy with God in, in our day to day lives. We know a different level of love to be able to give God's love over to others, like in our lives, husbands, wives, friends, you know, best friends. And we look at it a lot different, you know, so deeper meaning to it, more substance. It gives us peace. Hmm. It makes us, it makes us not be, I guess, afraid of other people, not be able to approach them, but, you know, approach God with, without any reservation. You can do the same with other people without, mm -hmm. you know, you see somebody might have a need. It's easier for you to reach out to them as God will reach out to you. You know, hey, what's going on? You can have that, that, is, that type of intimacy or that connection in those situations as well. Yeah. Think about grace and forgiveness. That's one thing that that is hard sometimes. We've all been hurt in whatever relationships mm -hmm. and we have to forgive because God forgave us. And it took, it took me a long time. That was a process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's hard. It's very hard. And, and to extend grace, it's easier to extend grace. 
when we realize what was done for us. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was thinking when you said, um, when we know God and His love for us, and I was thinking <clears throat> that knowing is like a marital knowing, it's experiencing, mm -hmm. it's intimate knowing. Yes. And, and we're receiving constantly from Him, and that just flows out of us. Then. Yeah, I we used can to, forgive because we've been that's forgiven. Right. That's exactly right. I used to look at a testimony, um, Andrew Womack, my cash with healing journeys, and he would talk about in his earlier stuff before he even did before they even did the healing journeys today thing, and he would say, "I had before he got healed, he was like, I had to know God unconditionally loved me," and I would be like, "I'll get my Bible, like which scripture? I mean, there are scriptures about God's love, but I'd be like, which one? Which made him believe that? Which made him think that?" And then I thought I had to realize I'm like. Yes, he read the word. I mean, that is totally, absolutely, completely, you know, a need, you know, and absolutely, you know, foundational. But it was like he had to relationship with God. He had to know it. And it wasn't like, oh, you know, like he got it intellectually, you know. Mm -hmm. So it was like driving me crazy at first. I'm like, oh, I get it now, you know. Let's go back to John 3, 1 John 3. Now let's look at, let's focus on verse 3. I'm going to read this in the King James. <coughs> and every man that hath this hope in him purify himself, even as he is pure. Now, when he uses the word hope here, what is he referring to? Is he referring to the hope in in verse two, where it says, "When we see him, we shall be like him"? Mm, there you go. There you go. I'm gonna go back to verse two and read it and amplify. It says, "Beloved, we are even here and now God's children, and it is not yet disclosed, made clear." what we shall be hereafter. But we know that when he comes and is manifested, we shall, as God's children, resemble and be like him. For we shall see him just as he really is. And everyone who has this hope resting on him cleanses, purifies himself, just as he is pure, chaste, undefiled, and guiltless. So the expectation, the hope to see him. Now, I want to kind of get into something here, okay? Because I can, I can see this verse, and I can clearly grasp two different interpretations depending on what type of lens I'm looking mm -hmm. at this verse through, right? Mm -hmm. If I have my works lens on I'm gonna read verse three and be like oh shoot that's right I better make sure I get right because the Lord might be here tomorrow he might be um, in about two hours I better make sure I'm doing right I better tighten it up right but if I have my grace glasses on I look at this verse and just read it 
again, I'm looking at looking at the King James. It says, every man that hath this hope in him purify himself, even as he is pure. Now, could it be that the very expectation of seeing him, the one that died for me, the very expectation of, of, of being able to see him not only in the eyes of my spirit, but actually physically as well, right? For, for me to be separate from this world of sin and, this, and, the, and the body that has been tampered with sin, but to be able to, to have that expectation to be delivered from this and to be with him. Having that hope do something on the inside of me to motivate me intrinsically to bear fruit. Because again, we're talking about living life from the inside out or from the outside in. Right. You know, Andrew talks about effortless change, right? What is that? That's us embracing the grace and allowing that revelation to be the that allowing that revelation to be the motivation for our right doing, right? But again, that's intrinsic. That's not something that I have to have the taskmaster tell me, you better get right. You better not do X, Y, Z. Because I, I got my list and I'm checking it twice, whether you've been naughty or nice, right? But now, let me step back. Okay. Are we really looking at this scripture properly? Is that how we are to interpret this? Because I, I've heard this, 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 this verse preached in a very, you know, works-based manner. Yeah, we've been reading it backwards or reading it how Andrew says it, the, the spiritual spiritual dyslexia. Every man that has this hope in him, he, you know, it's like you have this hope, well, you need to purify yourself instead of when you have the hope, it's going to purify you. You know, we got it. You know, backwards, really heavy. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, hold on. The, the religious skeptic just sent me a text. <laughs> he, he, he 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 sent me um now I'm I'm trying to find where he wants me to go, but I, I know where that is. Because he didn't agree with what um Julie just said. Okay. Goodness and gracious. Okay. All right. Let me see. If you know what I'm thinking of, it's a, it's it's in the Gospels. Because I want us to, you know, to be able to look at these things and really understand, like, okay, we, we're talking about grace and all this intrinsic effortless change, right? 
I want us to be scripturally accurate because, you know, you go around talking this stuff, people gonna call you a heretic. That's true. And it will be scriptures. It'll be, you but know, this scripture says this. Greasy grace and sloppy agape and all this type of stuff. Yeah. All this spiritual slander. All right. Can you give us context of what you're thinking? All right. I can search too <clears throat> if you'd like. Oh. You know, you remember the parable when Jesus is, is talking about the, the 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 master that the the slaves that are are working, and then others who are not are not working when the. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I'm talking about the one where the. Mm -mm. Let's see, the religious the religious skeptic didn't give me the, the um he didn't give me the, the scripture. <laughs> see, he was just trying to trip me up. Let's do this. Let's go. Matthew. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at Matthew it. chapter twenty. All right, let's see. Starting at verse one, okay. um, next uh, example of the kingdom of heaven, what it's like. Okay. Yeah, that's not that's that that's not that's not the one. Okay. Because I'm thinking about the one that where he talks about. Okay, hold it. I apologize, okay. but I think this because it really it it, it jumped in, it jumped to mind when when we were talking. Something that kind of backs up the thought. Yeah. <clears throat> the way hope is, it's like hope is a verb. You know, in First John chapter three, you know, it's like a you have that hope in you. It's 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 an action word. It's like working and actually doing something on the inside of you. Whereas you don't really have to do anything. You just 
have that hope in you, knowing that hope and having the revelation and reading that scripture of that hope that's in you. So then it's just working while you sleep at night, working while you're eating breakfast, and working while you're going about your day. That hope is working in you, knowing that um, you'll one day see him and you'll one day know or have that manifestation of being pure just as he's pure. reason about that too is is um when you're walking in that zone so to speak it lightens your heart and then as you relate to other people they're gonna know something's different mm -hmm. it's gonna change your relationship with them as well so that's it's good. just mm -hmm. spills on mm -hmm. that's good all right i got it let's go to matthew 24 Matthew 24, and we're going to start at verse 45. Okay. All right, I'm going to read this in the King James. It says, Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household? to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delay of his coming, and shall begin to, sm to smite his fellow, fellow servants and to eat and to drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of. And it shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and mashing of teeth. Okay, now. <coughs> I got that text, and he says, see, look. You better be on your P's and Q's because this, this is what's going to happen to you if you're not. Now, as a new covenant believer, how can I gain revelation from this and maintain the revelation that I have of 1 John 3? That's interesting that we're reading that because I was thinking about, is it the 10 virgins? Like about the oil in the lamps, how many virgins? I thought about that this week too. And it didn't make me afraid, but I was kind of like, Jesus, what were you really saying there? You know, like, cause we've thought for years, it was a certain thing. And I'm like with grace and knowing it through that lens, like, you know, it's just a thought, you know, mm -hmm. like kind of like, this is like, what about that? Oh, they didn't have their oil, you know, and that Lord came back and he didn't let them in, you know? So it's like, how do you? You know, do that. <laughs> um, one thing I think about is, you know, to, to help answer that question, uh, you asked you is, is um, you know, it's not just about believing 
and knowing that there's a God and knowing that there's a son and that's Jesus. Um, that type of person or that type of heart sounds like uh, a Pharisee when they knew as Nicodemus confessed when he came to him at night, they knew that he was a man that came from God, but no, because nobody could do these miracles that he did, unless God be with him. And then so later on, you know, as he continued to perform miracles and signs and, and love on people, it says that they knew, but, but the Pharisees wouldn't confess him because they love the praise of man more than the praise of God. So it's like they wouldn't commit themselves to him, literally knowing who he was. So that kind of sounds like, you know, because man, he judged the outward appearance, God judges the heart. But that sounds like that same heart of that person in Matthew 24. It's like they know who he is, but you know what? He ain't here now, so... You know, let me do what I want to do. I'm do my best. And but all of a sudden now here he is. Yeah, but Jesus also said not everybody who called Lord. And they said, I think they've explained that that it wasn't Lord Lord. They would write it in the old English, like two words if they really wanted to highlight something. Mm-hmm. But anyways, Lord. It was Lord, like to really like make it that they won't not everybody will enter into the kingdom. And you know, it's like, didn't we do this for you? Didn't we cast out demons? We fed the poor. And it was like, I don't know you, but they didn't really know, know Jesus. Maybe that's a way to consolidate it, like we're saying. Okay, good. That's good. Because even if you, you go back to the, that, that verse you quoted, didn't we X, Y, Z? What was the premise? Why were they... With claiming affiliation with Jesus because of their works. But what did Isaiah say about our works in and of themselves? They feel the rags. I don't have no, I can't go to the Lord based on what I'm doing because I don't have nothing to offer him. I'm totally destitute. So if, if I'm going to have a relationship with him, it's all because of him. It's just me accepting what he did. Now, in that place, that's where I can produce, you can produce, we can produce fruit that are worthy of, of, of him, that reflect him. Not, not me doing something like the seven sons of Sceva, trying to cast out devils in the name of the, the, the Jesus that Paul preached. Because if I don't know him for myself, how many de- demons am I going to cast out? Just like the demons talk, they talk to talk back to the seven sons of Sceva. He said, Jesus, we know. Paul, we know. But who is you? Because <laughs> they don't, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, then they don't know you. But as a born-again believer who has relationship with him, it's a different story. All right. Because see, and I, I wanted, I'm glad the religious skeptics brought this to mind because, you know, a lot of times people would, would try to contradict 
some of the things that we're saying in reference to grace by what's in the red as if there's a contradiction, but there's not. Because let me read this in, in the New Living Translation. All right, 45 to 51. It says, a faithful, sensible servant is, is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I'll tell you the truth. The master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while. He begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected. And he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and mashing of teeth. He said hypocrite. I'm sorry. It really hit me. The hypocrites. And that's what he talked about. The Pharisees a lot. We call them hypocrites. Hypocrites. So, yeah, that's mm -hmm. interesting. Sorry, it just hit me. I was like, hypocrites. <laughs> now, what is the difference between the hypocrites and you, born again, believer? What's the difference? Heart changed the heart transplant. There you go. There you go. Check Corinthians five seven, right? Five seventeen. All right, I'm gonna read this in the New Living Translation and in the Amplified. Very familiar scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And Amplified says, therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature all together the old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away behold the fresh and new has come see the hypocrite is the person that plays a role <clears throat> but you born again believer you are born of the spirit you in the family you can't fake. You can't really fake that. You born again or you not? Now, is that to say that all of our behavior is going to reflect that all the time? No, no. But this is why we need to renew our <clears throat> minds, right? And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm still thinking about this title, Desire and Purity. Well, purity is God. I mean, it's just another, another name for him, too, isn't that? It's a good thing to desire. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. 
because being to me pure is to be free from contaminants, right? Mm. Right. I don't know if I'm hungry or nothing or, or something, but I did, did when I when I see I keep thinking about food, right? And drink like you know, some will say a hundred percent pure. <laughs> Pure pineapple juice or 100% pure grape juice, right? When you see that 100% with the little symbol on it, you know, you get a, you get a little more, you know, there's a little more confidence like you, you with that, right? And then you look at the other section, you look beside it, you look at something, they'll say, juice cocktail, you know, from concentrate, <laughs> right now, I look at that price tag. I'm like, oh, their price tag look good. But if I look at the label, I see why the price is it is is what it is. It's got high fructose corn syrup in it, yeah. and got some other chemical names that I, I stuff I can't read. Mm -hmm. It's not pure. Yeah. Right now. As we're we're looking at this, in order to really desire purity, right? To have it as an intrinsic desire, the only way I really can can be driven to have that that pure life is with a revelation of God's grace. If you think about it. Just like their interaction with Jesus and Paul, you re I mean, not Paul, but Peter, you remember when he was on the boat and Jesus is like, go out into the deep. And Peter's like, come on, Lord, we've been in, we've been out here all night, you know, and Peter, a professional, you know, it's like, you know, Jesus, you got some good teaching and stuff, but come on, I'm, I'm a pro, I'm, I'm a pro fisher. But... Honoring the Lord's word, he did, he he followed instructions. He he did it, right? And then once he did, what happened? He saw the fruit of that obedience, right? All of those fish almost sank the boat. Yeah, yeah. And then him experiencing, you know, God's grace in that moment, he was able to see. God's magnificence, his love, and see his deficit. And what happened? He's, you know, he said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Jesus didn't read him the Ten Commandments then. He didn't rebuke him, bust him upside the head with, with scripture. But the scripture says, What is the goodness of God that draw him into repentance? And you see that in action in that in that very story right there. So when I look at how good God is, that's that's the motivation for me to 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 live a life that's pure because it's just like a it's, it's just a, the fruit of my appreciation. But but if my mind is 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 if the gospel is not on my mind, if I'm not if I'm a divorced from the gospel from the reality of God's love and goodness, then 
I'm gonna be more is I'm gonna be more prone to act like this servant in, in Matthew 24. And just imagine religious folk who, who don't know anything about the grace of God, about God's love, but just been taught a bunch of rules and regulations. That's going to produce this, this evil servant right here. I was just listening to um, uh, a talk that incorporated the, the story about the servant who owed a huge amount of money to the master was um, forgiven and then went out, turned around and, and abused somebody who owed him a small amount. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the same thing, really. He, he, uh, he didn't comprehend the love of the Father that would change his life. Yeah. 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 Looking at my outline here, it says, in our born again spirits, we are as Jesus is right now. Every person who is truly born again has this inner drive for purity. You may not be willing, you may not be fulfilling the, that drive very well, but it's there. As you start truly understanding grace, the gospel, the power of God, it will break the dominion of sin in your life and bring the benefits of salvation. Romans 6.14 is quoted here in the outline. It says, sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under law, but under grace. Right? And you know, whenever you hear, you, you, you hear that phrase, shall not. In the King James is very strong, right? It shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So if this is true, then the opposite is true as well, right? If I am under law, then won't sin have dominion over me? If I'm under law, because Paul says the law is the strength of sin. And again, we're not talking about the law in the sense of God's standard. We're talking about man's effort in his in and of himself to try to fulfill the law. We are inadequate. And next point here says, if you are truly born again and understand grace, you'll manifest holiness. Deep down, you'll desire to fulfill your inner drive for purity. Now, let's, I'm, I'm going to read this next point. Now, tell me if, this, if, if, you, if you see this. All right. Next point on the outline says, anyone who takes what I'm teaching here and says, well, then this frees me up to go live in sin. Needs, needs to be born again. Makes sense, though, right? Because think of, just think about, you know, the illustration we, we talked about with Peter and how 
we read in First John 3, how having a true encounter with the gospel, there's going to be a, a response on the inside. Now, again, that don't mean that we're not going to wrestle with our flesh. We got to deal with this flesh until we, you know, we, we lay it down or we get raptured up. But there's going to be that, that desire to be pleasing to the Lord. It's going to be there. Next point in the outline says, when you have a sin nature, it produces, it earns death in your life. For the wages of sin is death. All right. Now, anything that's a result of sin is death and causes separation from God. If you truly understand grace, the gift of God, then you can experience intimacy with him through the Lord Jesus Christ. In that same verse, Romans 6.23 says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Next point says, as long as you're in a performance mentality, you can't experience intimacy with God. Regardless of how well you perform, it's always going to fall short. I remember Andrew, he, he says that he uses that phrase a lot. Who wants to be the best sinner to go to hell? Right. Right. So it's like, yeah, you you know, you got USDA choice flesh, but it's still flesh. You know, it's, it, it don't matter. You're still going to fall short. But why? I, I don't I don't want to continue to go around the same rabbit hole, but I know all of us talking with different family members, different people that we know that, you know, are believers, a lot of folks wrestle with this, right? Not, not with, with the idea that you can live holy without having this works-based mindset, right? Why is that so dis difficult for us, for some of us, for some folks to grasp? I think it's because, you know, I know when I'm, I guess, doing the discipleship of our children, Stacey and I, we we focus on the, we try to focus on the, is the, the heart change, the what's been changed and how your spirit's been completely changed, you know, and that's where that teaching Andrew Womack does on spirit, soul, and body was very helpful and useful. But we've tried to focus on how the spirit is completely changed and um, your soul is that mind, will, and emotions. Your will has changed you know, Paul talks about in Romans 7 how, you know, he's referring to himself, but that's a that's really us all, how we have a completely new will. And I told we always told him, 
if you could do, if you're born again and you could do the right thing every single time, every day of every week, you would do it. Because if you could really follow your will, because you do have a will to live a perfect life then, if you're born again, but you're dealing with emotions also, you're dealing with a mind that needs renewing, and then you're dealing with a body that just want to do whatever, you know, it wants to do or whatever it used to do. So that's the uh, rest of the Christian life. And um, a- another scripture that I saw that kind of bears witness with the, with the text that you started out with, 1 John 3, mm-hmm. is uh, Galatians 5. Uh, 24, where it says that uh, they that are, it first talks about through the spirit, and then it says, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So it talks about the affections and lusts of a believer and how that causes a crucifixion of the flesh in this, in this life. And that's constantly work in us as well, right along with that, with that hope. That's good. That's good. Okay. I don't know. Oh, I think I got another text from the religious skeptic. He, he always hate when Kevin talked. <laughs> it's like now looking at verse 24 he's like what what you saying i mean obviously everybody hasn't crucified the flesh now i'm look i'm gonna read that again i'm gonna read that in the new living translation 24 and 25 it says those who belong to christ jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Verse 25, since we are living by the spirit, let us also follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Mm-hmm. Now you see this separation here in verse 25, identity versus action. Mm-hmm. So the reflection now, if, if if we understand who we are, then that's going to empower us to walk to walk in the spirit. But if I'm if I believe that I, I still have to 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 get in the spirit, then I'm I'm it's keeping me on this hamster wheel. But I gotta understand my identity first. And that and that understand revelation is what's going to empower me to bear the fruit. That's like Romans end of seven, beginning of eight. The identity is in eight, but the angst is in seven, and that's you know him realizing he's he can't walk it. He can't walk it on his own mm-hmm. in the flesh. That's good. So that just correlates with Galatians. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. Oh, I think I think oh the the religious skeptic done blocked me now. <laughs> I think he's he's gone for the evening. He, he didn't care for that. 
Until he gets triggered again, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he might get triggered tomorrow night. We'll see. Yeah. Triggered. Have to think about everything. So I don't really want to trust him. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's just I don't I don't want to feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but you know we 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 keep talking. It just keeps coming back to that you know that understanding of identity and relationship, right? We face a lot of this stuff because the identity is is I mean if I don't if I don't understand that I'm I am a new creature mm -hmm. in Christ, but I'm trying to live the life outside of that revelation, then inevitably I'm going to get in that place where I'm just doing stuff, trying to earn something. And how much bondage is that? Because think about that now. You go back to, to Matthew 24, and if, if I'm looking at this and I'm thinking all of this is, is on my shoulders to make sure that the master don't catch me slipping, that's enough to make you have a nervous breakdown. Yes. I'm like, shoot. You know, and and or and just like, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna go to hell anyway. So why am I gonna waste my time trying to serve God? Let me just go ahead to the club and just burn it up until, you know, until it's over, until my time is done. Yeah. Yep. But understanding that. I'm a new creature, and I I didn't have anything to do with that. Mm -hmm. All I did was respond. That's that's the work of faith is, is <clears throat> responding to his to his grace. That's it. Mm -hmm. Let's go there. John four, and one John first John four. I'm sorry, first John four, one chapter over. And this, I'm still verse thirteen. And go down to seventeen. I'll read this in the New Living Translation too. It makes it real plain says, and God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Verse 17, it says, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. And 
in, New, in the King James, it says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. So the question really is, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? Because if you know who you are, then living a life that's set apart, that's holy, will be a fruit and not a work. Find it to be something that needs daily reminding because everything around us is talking the other way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just like we've got to keep running back to the Word and sitting with Him and listening to what He says about who we are because um, you pull away from that even for a little bit and it's amazing how quickly darkness comes in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and and to even to, to piggyback and just even add on to what Mary is saying, it's like it's it's not even just the word, it's like a really an understanding or a revelation of the word. That's right. And I say that because, you know, being in church for quite a while, I mean I've been around a lot of Christians and a lot of us, I mean, people who like read the Bible every day, read the Bible more than once, read it once a year and, and still don't have the revel some of the revelations that we're talking about right now. So it's like they know the word, quote the word. I mean, go to the word all the time, but it's like an understanding, you know, and I, I guess that scripture would it says the, the Bible is like, it says the washing of the water of the word. It's like that don't happen unless you really understand and get a revelation of what you're putting your eyes and your mouth to doing and saying, you know. And I guess that, that, that parable, this is a parable, I guess, that kind of bears witness where yeah, a parable Jesus teaches about the soul, so on the word, and if you don't understand, you really get nothing out of it. The devil immediately comes take it away. You don't understand it, it's just gone to me. You know, Satan will just immediately come take it away. So, you know, so it's like, I mean, Bible studies like this, or or listening to somebody who really is walking in this kind of grace. And understanding seems to be necessary, you know, or talking to us like us talking to each other. And, you know, we're listening to each other talk about how powerful this grace is. It's, it's encouraging to me, you know, to hear like somebody else say it too, you know. Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. 
I know this is a scripture that I, I refer to a lot too, but I, I think it just it really speaks to why it's difficult for for the carnal person, somebody who's not looking who's not looking at things, you know, spiritually, to to really grasp the the, the gospel, right, the entirety of it. All right, start at verse 9. What right. chapter was that again? All right. Chapter 2, Thank 1 you. Corinthians 2, starting at verse 9. And I'll, I'll read that in the New Living Translation too. It says, that is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. All right, I'm going to pause there. Now, how many of us have heard sermons that just pause right there? Right? Now, I mean, that's enough to make you shout, though, for real. Right there. I mean, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I'm like, okay, cool. I love him. So he got something prepared for me. Cool. Right? But there's more. Verse 10, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. Verse 12. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. It says freely given so you see how the Holy Spirit and the revelation of the gospel of grace, how they, how they go together, right? They're related. You can't have one without the other. You can have a revelation of religion without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But not a revelation of God's grace. Mm -hmm. Let's go to one more place here. Let's go to Titus. Titus. Let's see. And we'll look at chapter two, Titus two. Verse 11 and verse 12. In the King James, it says, 
For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodly lust, un ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now you see what comes before the right behavior, denying ungodliness and worldly lust. What comes before that? Yeah. Yeah. In the Amplified, I'm going to read it here. It says, For the grace of God, his unmerited favor and blessing has come forward, appeared for the deliverance from sin and eternal salvation for all mankind. It has trained us to reject and renounce all ungodliness irreligion, and worldly passionate desires to live discreet, temperate, self-controlled, upright, devout, spiritually whole lives in the, this present world. And look at verse 13. Awaiting and looking for the fulfillment, the realization of our blessed hope, even the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Now, this last part here sounds similar to what we hear in 1 John 3, right? Mm -hmm. So the connection between a revelation of God's grace, righteous living, holy living, and us anticipating his return. All of that connected. But even going down to verse 14, <clears throat> He gave himself for us that we might be redeemed from the lawless deeds and purified for himself, his own special people. Mm. It's again saying he's going to purify us. There you go. Yep. There you go. Yeah, that's cool. And oh, right at the end, it's wonderful because it's it suddenly switches from purifying us from all those <clears throat> evil deeds for what? For good works. He's got something else to fill the gap. That's really encouraging, too. There you go. Mm -hmm. So, revelation of God's goodness, His grace, mm -hmm. is the catalyst for holiness. For purity. Not the Sunday school quarterly, not the Ten Commandments, but the revelation of God's grace. And this is why understanding too the the revelation of spirit, soul, and body is so important. Been so so helpful. I had no idea. <laughs> right, right. Because without that, then you read some of this stuff, and then you read. It feels hopeless. You know, you it it it's easy to get jumbled up and kind of get caught up in that whole hamster wheel of works. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. 
because you'll read all this nice, nice stuff here. And then you go down to verse 15 and it says, you must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. You have the authority to correct them when necessary. So don't let anyone disregard what you say. And your focus is going to be on that. Y'all need to be out there teaching, encouraging folks, such and such. Right? Now, that is what it say, right? Right? But if I if I skip past all the 11 and 14. Yeah. It, it, it becomes a work. I'm, I, I'm the one out there sweating. And, and the one thing about human effort is eventually it's gonna run out. Yeah. It's gonna it's it's gonna fail. But our God is a God who never fails. That's right. That's why his his grace, his grace instructs us. And gives us the power to fulfill his will. To will and to do his good pleasure. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks.